Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. From pesos to pounds, euros to yen, WISE can help you manage your money in different currencies. With WISE, you can send money to your cousin in Australia with ease, travel internationally without having to brave an airport currency exchange desk, and take away the guesswork that goes along with converting currencies. WISE lets you send and spend money worldwide at the real-time mid-market exchange rate, all without any hidden fees. Join 16 million customers already using WISE worldwide. To learn more about how a WISE account could work for you, download the app or visit WISE.com. That's WISE, W-I-S-E dot com. WISE dot com. Okay, so I am recording. Um, do you want to just first start by, can you say your name and, and how you know me? My name is Anne Bird Platt, and I am Bird Pinkerton's mother. That's my mom. Uh, and I called my mom after I found out this fascinating thing. Basically that some cells from my body are probably hanging out inside of her body and have likely been there for three decades, like ever since she carried me in her womb. And as I told her, those cells, cells that are genetically me, Mm -hmm. um, it seems like some of them might have stuck around in your body and become a part of you. And I am curious what you make of that. You can't have the back. <laughs> you want to use a quote? Use that quote. You can't have the back. <laughs> You're mine. Thanks, Mama. Oh, my. <laughs> Great. Thank you for telling me how to do my job. <laughs> so my plan here was to explain to my mom very briefly sort of what those cells could be doing inside her and what similar cells are doing to parents all over. And that plan went without a hitch. Um, Can you, I mean, now, since you're helping me out, can you ask me what are they doing inside my body? What are these cells doing inside my body? (laughs) I Can I ask it as a statement? What do you mean, can you ask it as a statement? I hope these cells are behaving themselves. You know, they're playing nicely with my cells. (laughs) Well, <laughs> so here's the, the fun twist. Researchers don't know. It seems like, you know, m- maybe something like a parent-child relationship. <laughs> Some of the things that these cells might be doing might be good. Some of them might be somewhat less good. Uh, some of them might be totally neutral. And researchers just don't no. <laughs> Define less good. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, let's get into it. Uh, do you want me to tell you a yes, little bit about please. all like, okay, so I'm going to, I wasn't actually, I was just going to walk you through that intro, but why don't I just tell you the whole episode? Let's <laughs> see what happens. Okay. Do you have something? No. I. Yeah, you definitely, something is happening. It's Chris. I, can you just put your phone on silent? Yes, I can put my phone on silent. 
Um, Thank it's you. on silent. It's unexplainable. I'm Bird Pinkerton, and this is the first episode of Expecting, a three-part series on pregnancy and parenting. I cover reproductive health a lot on the show, and one thing I noticed about a lot of the research on pregnancy is that even though it's one of the most common experiences on Earth, literally this thing that we all participate in to be alive, pregnancy is still very mysterious. It is mysterious in ways that are amazing um, or awe-inspiring, but also in ways that can hurt parents or at least confuse them. And the other thing that I noticed kind of reading through the literature is that a lot of research on pregnancy kind of focuses on on the fetus, like what's happening to the fetus, what is best for it, et cetera, et cetera. So we at Unexplainable decided to do a series of episodes that looks at mysteries about pregnancy from the parent's perspective. Like how is pregnancy and parenting reshaping parents' bodies and, and their brains and their lives. And the story that I've been telling my mom, it's kind of a perfect example of all the things that I have learned about pregnancy. Like, it has got the wonder element, but it also has an element of just the frustrating reality that we are still very, very far from satisfying answers. start with with the basics here. This whole like idea of my giving you my cells, right? It's it's actually a subset of something called chimerism, um which you know what a chimera is, right? Yes, I do. You want to describe that for me? <laughs> well, it's like a it's like a replication of the real thing. Uh it's Not like, exactly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so a chimera is like a, it's the mythical creature from like Greek myths. Oh, so you have right. like, it has like a lion head right, and like a right, 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 snake right. tail and like a goat right, body. Right, right, right. Um, okay. I, like a griffin's a chimera, a sphinx, a, right. a manticore. It's the, um, it's the composite, right? Okay. Right. Let the record show that my mother did know what a chimera was. Uh, and was unfairly put on the spot. Um, <laughs> Doesn't sound like your mother knew what a chimera was. <laughs> so that is a chimera in myth. Uh, but to, to understand a chimera in biology uh, and what it has to do with pregnancy, I reached out to uh, Amy Body, who is this biologist at, at UC Santa Barbara. And Amy says that in biology, the definition of chimera is a little bit broader than in myth. It's multiple individuals existing in one host body. And so she was telling me that basically whenever you have a, a living thing that's made up of pieces of more than one individual, that's a chimera. So you can find them in, in plants, you can find them in animals, uh, you can even find them in humans. 
Like if you see organ transplantation or something like that, where you have a large tissue, right, that's from someone that is a completely different individual, you can consider that person a chimera. So this is not like the the goat-lion hybrid version of a chimera, right? It's it's just bits of two genetically different people. Mm-hmm. But so technically, Mama, Amy was was telling me that this process that you and I went through, where some of my cells left my body, kind of went into your body, that is considered chimerism on like a, a tiny scale. So they literally call it microchimera because you, you just have like a, a few cells. So cells from me, cells from um, my sister, Chloe, and also potentially from any like miscarriages that you might have had. So how many cells do I have from you? So according to Amy. It can be infrequently um, as one in a million cells, but we have 30 trillion cells in our body. <laughs> so a trillion is like a, a million million, right? So if you're doing the math, could potentially be 30 million cells from me floating around in you. Oh. <laughs> yeah, but so so some people have more, some people have fewer. Uh, they're actually, they're usually more during pregnancy and then your immune system kind of gets rid of a lot of them. But Around the 1990s is when researchers started to realize that some cells were really sticking around in the parent long term, uh, like potentially for the parent's whole life, which was surprising, right? And a lot of these cells are are probably stem cells. So do you know what a stem cell is? After my um, implosion with Chimera, I am not hazarding a guess. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so so a stem cell is like the the really basic cells that then develop into other tissues. So they're kind of like a like jack of all trades, flexible cells. They can turn into any kind of cell. So you can basically imagine like the fetus has these these flexible cells, right? And then some of those cells travel into the placenta, which Amy was telling me is kind of like the main connector between the fetus and the parent. It's this super highway. So the the fetus's cells sort of travel along this highway into the parent's body, hitching a ride in the circulatory system, probably. And they finish their road trip eventually in the heart, say, or the lungs or the brain, sort of all over the body. And then they can reshape themselves into a heart cell or a lung cell or a brain cell, whatever they're around, and kind of braid themselves into that tissue. So... They're doing work in the parent's body, even though genetically they're different from the cells around them. I'm intrigued, but I'm also puzzled. It it basically opens up more questions than it even begins to answer. <laughs> Welcome to the show. <laughs> <laughs> so starting around the, the 1990s, these, these researchers were sort of like, all right, like, what is going on here? Like, if, if these cells are sticking around and, and becoming part of the body, are they mm-hmm. affecting it in some way? Like, what are they yeah. doing? <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> but we have some ideas. First of all, Amy told me that it it is very possible that, at least potentially, they are doing nothing. I have to admit it, even though... <laughs> I think there are some functional 
properties of these cells, but they could just be hanging out. Like, it is possible that my cells are just like uh, the tchotchkes that, that you love to collect, right? <laughs> like, your, <laughs> your little figurines that, that don't really do anything. They're just kind of, kind of there. <laughs> it's possible that my cells are just the equivalent of that. Like, like you have some tiny little cell-sized tchotchkes of me inside of you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't do like little things anymore. I bought this huge piece of um, granite the other day in, in Bern, and I lugged it all the way home, which was kind of silly. You bought granite? Like, you, you can find granite on the ground. Well, but this was polished. Okay. <laughs> anyway, keep going. So, again, there is the possibility that these cells are just hanging out like polished granite. but. Researchers have some good reasons to think that uh, these cells are potentially doing other things. There's some studies that show that these cells actually help the host body. And so there's ideas out there that, yeah, this is, this is a good feature to have. So, for example, there have been studies to look at if someone has a, a C-section and they look at the, the tissue in the C-section. They've found cells from the, the baby in the parent's scar tissue, essentially. Suggesting that they are there helping heal the gestational parent's body. Uh-huh. And again, it's possible that they're just sort of randomly there, right? Because as Amy was saying, like, these studies in humans aren't super firm evidence because we don't know what they would be doing to heal a body. Uh, it's not clear that there are necessarily lots more fetal cells like in this scar site than anywhere else in the body. And, and that's maybe one of the biggest criticisms of they're just there. There's a few of them. You're just trying to find a purpose to this randomness of cells there. But if you just sort of step away from humans for a second... There is some more definitive research that has been done in mice. So in mice, uh, they'll breed female mice with these special males so that some of their fetuses can create cells that fluoresce. It's like a glow-in-the-dark <laughs> feature. And then the researchers can sort of dissect the mice or, or use machines to sort of track these glow-in-the-dark mouse fetus cells as they move through the mouse parent body. If a mouse gets an ear injury, the fetal cells will migrate up to the tissue. It seems like they're primed to be able to go in and kind of help recover and heal the maternal body. Huh. That's, Which is cool. That's cool. <laughs> and again, like something like that could also be happening in other mammals, including humans. So it's not just sort of like C-section scars, uh, healing injuries. There's also been some research on, on how these cells that the parent gets from their fetus could potentially help with heart health. There was a mouse model where the heart was, was injured and they saw these cells, these fetal cells, migrating to the injury, specializing in helping repair. So this is in, in mice, but it would actually help explain uh, a phenomenon that doctors have seen in humans, which is basically like a lot of pregnant people develop heart issues. So 
your heart is actually doing like a, a huge workout during pregnancy. Uh, this will be no surprise to you. But, you know, it's it's pumping a lot of blood. There's just like more of you and your body is working a lot harder. And so researchers have actually compared it to athletes who do long distance sports. So you could just be pregnant and be like, I'm basically an endurance athlete. <laughs> no wonder I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> but... Because the heart is doing this, this sort of nine-month-long workout, it makes sense that a lot of pregnant people develop problems with their heart during this time. Uh, What's interesting is that sometimes these problems just kind of fix themselves. Like, they they go Mm -hmm. away, and researchers aren't totally sure why. And some are wondering if the cells from the fetus actually help fix things. Like, if the cells from the fetus are traveling to the heart and giving it some kind of boost that could explain the sort of heart healing that is happening here. So it's it's quite fantastic, I think, in thinking about the coolest, weirdest biology. And again, like, this is just one example of the ways that that researchers think that these cells could be helping a parent's body sort of heal or, or fix issues, right? So maybe, you know, my my cells at some point helped healed something in you as well. I, I think your cells need to get the right together. Let's, let's get going here. Okay, I'll, I'll work on it. <laughs> Nothing wrong with your heart, but I'll, I'll work on curing your various other ailments and, and diseases. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry I've been such a disappointment to you. You have not been a disappointment. Your cells are just... You know, <laughs> <Let's get open. laughs> um, this feels like a, a perfect transition to, to the next thing here, which is that um, sometimes the parent-fetus cell relationship becomes strained <laughs> in certain ways. Like any communication between parent and child, it's, it's not all sort of heart healing and, and scar knitting. Sometimes the cells from the kid can be somewhat obnoxious. This is the playing less well with others. Yes. So up next, how these cells might uh, actually play a role in a whole range of pretty serious diseases. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. Wise is the app that makes using different currencies easy. Need to send dollars to your cousin in Bali fast? Getting paid in another currency and don't want to lose out because of inflated exchange rates? Want travel money without having to slog through the currency exchange kiosk? Then Wise might just be your answer. From pesos to pounds, euros to yen, Wise takes the guesswork out of converting currencies. You can send and spend money worldwide at the real-time mid-market exchange rate with no markups and no hidden fees. In 2023, people sent over $100 billion worldwide with WISE. What's more, over half of those transfers got to their destination in less time than it takes to listen to this ad. 
Whether you're traveling, sending money abroad, or doing business, let Wise help you manage your money in different currencies with ease. Join 16 million customers already using Wise worldwide. To learn more about how a Wise account could work for you, download the app or visit wise.com. That's wise, W-I-S-E.com, wise.com. So, Mama, when I was in your womb, uh, I gave you a bunch of my cells. This happens whenever there's a fetus inside a, a pregnant person for a while. And in this exchange, Amy Body says that there are trade-offs. It might be helpful during pregnancy. It might be helpful in the postpartum period. But long-term, there could be some trade-offs where actually at some point, it can, it can lead to health complications. And one of the, the main complications that researchers have been exploring is related to autoimmune disease. Wow. So, like, to be really clear from the get-go, right, like, this is all very much theoretical, right? It's, it's something researchers are still trying to figure out. So I would not want anyone with sort of an autoimmune disease to immediately assume that it comes from microchimera or this, like, exchange of cells, right? But basically, the, the way that Amy explained it to me is that we have this immune system, and, and its whole job is to sort of cruise around, check up on various cells, and say, like, is this me? Typically, your body recognizes self by specific markers on your cell that says, you know, like, hey, I am me. And it leaves those cells alone. But then if it comes across cells that don't look like itself, then my immune system might say, nope, let's get rid of this. But in an autoimmune disorder, the immune system kind of goes haywire, right? Like, it starts attacking cells that are part of the body, that are part of itself in some way. And that leads to sort of the the swelling, the pain, tiredness, like a, a whole bunch of different issues that are associated with autoimmune disorders. And so the way that this is potentially linked to microchimera is it, it turns out that, that people who have carried fetuses at some point in their lives do seem to be at higher risk for autoimmune diseases. The data that we have now focuses on women, uh, but it shows that these diseases are significantly more likely to affect women as compared to men. Uh, and some studies have found that the chances of getting some of these diseases actually increases after women's reproductive years. So okay. researchers were kind of looking at microchimera, and they were thinking like, okay, people who are getting pregnant are bringing kind of foreign cells into themselves that look a lot like them. Because usually half our DNA comes from each of our parents. So these cells come in, they become part of the body, sort of part of the tissue. And then down the line, one scenario is that they do something that the body cells wouldn't usually do, right? Something more unique to the kid's cells. So maybe, for example... They're expressing a protein you've never seen before. Um, then your immune system might say, hey, that's not self. We need to go ahead and, and get rid of this. And that can, you know, elicit an autoimmune response. I don't know if we can call it autoimmune because that means self, right? Like, is it autoimmune? Because it's, a, 
it's not attacking the self. It's attacking <laughs> these foreign cells. Um, and that's kind of the whole problem here, right? Like these cells are both part of the parent self and also mm-hmm. genetically foreign. Um, so maybe, and again, em- emphasis on maybe, this could be contributing to autoimmune diseases. Like maybe these foreign but not so foreign cells are why the body starts attacking itself. Huh. And there have been a few studies to sort of look at people with autoimmune diseases to look for proof that this might be happening. There's a few different studies looking at individuals with autoimmune disease and they find these fetal cells in the tissue. But once again, like these are mostly sort of correlations. Like we saw these cells and we saw this problem Maybe they're related. We don't know the root cause. We don't know if these individuals would have gone on to get autoimmune diseases anyways, and the cells, again, just happen to be there. So, like, there's still work to be done here to sort of tease this relationship out and figure out what's going on. But it is sort of one way, at least, that people think that some of these sort of cells from, like, fetuses could be causing issues. Okay, I am fascinated by this. I wish there were more information. But what what an interesting possibility. I think I think so too, right? So so there's this possibility, this possibility that they're involved in autoimmune diseases. And then the other possibility, which you are not gonna like, um, is that these microchimera might also play a role in cancer. Oh, um, <laughs> lay it on. Just lay it on. <laughs> uh, so, so basically, cancer is almost one of the best examples of maybe this is helpful, maybe this is harmful. Yeah. Like, right now, it's just kind of deeply confusing. Amy was saying she actually got interested in microchimera when she was studying breast cancer. So she hmm. was sort of like reading through these papers. And some women um, had higher amounts of fetal cells in their body and were diagnosed with cancer. Which would suggest that there could be some kind of a connection again, or like a a correlation, right? Like more cells from the fetus, more cancer, potentially. But then there's other papers. This is where it gets really confusing. Um, There's other studies showing that, no, actually, those cells might be in there trying to help fight the cancer. And actually, these cells are protective. And so it's a big, like, we don't know what they're doing. Are they fighting the tumor? Are they making, you know, the immune system more aggressive and making this cancer worse? And we we don't know the answer to that. So, again, there there are a lot of questions here, right? Uh, But if we can figure this stuff out, like, if we can figure out exactly the effects that microchimera have on our body in terms of cancer or also autoimmune diseases, like, that could potentially be huge, right? Amy was saying that maybe we could figure out if people are high risk for certain issues and and help them early, for example. The other exciting thing is some people are, again, seeing these potential fetal cells helping with wound healing. And, And the thought is that it could be a therapy as well, providing a boost of of stem cells to actually help fight a disease or or help heal. 
right now, because this is all such a mystery, like we are, we're still a very long way away from these kinds of applications, right? Which I guess kind of just left me wondering why, right? Like, like why do we still have so many questions instead of answers here and know so little? That is a good question. Lee Nelson agrees with you. That's a good question. Lee Nelson is is actually one of the researchers that I mentioned before who first started diving into microchimera in the 1990s. And she's been doing a lot of work for, for many decades on the autoimmune stuff specifically. So I asked her essentially, like, why we are still so far from answers. The most direct two answers to that are technical. So it's the techniques. And the other one is funding. Reproductive health in general is very underfunded, but this work is also just very hard from a technical perspective. The big challenge is very simple. There are all these little chimerical cells that are very hard to track. Um, And, you know, you can put tracers in mice, like we mentioned before, but mice are not humans. Like, mouse pregnancy just looks different than human pregnancy, which could lead to different effects. I mean, routinely, mice are multiple gestations. They're routinely having, like, eight pups all at the same time, for example. I don't know anybody that's had eight or nine kids. (laughs) And meanwhile, you can't, like, inject human fetuses with glow-in-the-dark tracers or cut up human parents in the same way as mice <laughs> to see what's going on. <laughs> and so as a result, when, when you're looking at some of these cells in human tissue, you can't really know both where it came from and where it went to and kind of everything about it. And then even if you do have sort of some tissue that you're looking at from a human, finding these cells isn't easy, right? It's a, a couple of cells in a million And so it's kind of like looking for a needle in the haystack if the needle looked like a a lot like hay, right? Because it's it's actually got half the hay's DNA. And then one extra wrinkle that I talked about with both Lee and Amy, but which I've I've sort of been saving for the end, is that microchimerism isn't just about fetuses passing cells to their parents. Um, It's actually a lot more complicated because it goes both ways. So not only am I kind of giving you my cells, (laughs) but when I was in your womb, you gave me some of your cells as well. Of course. Which means that you're not just sort of a chimera of of me and and my sister Chloe uh, and any miscarriages that you might have had. You also have my grandmother... Muddy's cells swimming around inside of you as well. That makes perfect sense. How far back does it go? <laughs> um, so it is also possible that your mom, uh, so my grandmother, gave you some of your grandmother's cells. So any mm-hmm. researcher sort of looking, Mama, at, at your tissue would be saying, is this cell from... Anbird Platt, or is it from her her daughter Chloe, or her daughter Bird, or her mother, or her grandmother, or a miscarriage she had, or like what? And so Amy says it's just hard to parse. So we've been talking very simply about this because it is so complex that we our minds can't even wrap around the fact that 
there's actually multiple generations happening all at once. And so studying microchimera is so hard because you have to find just like a a few cells in a million untangle yeah. this whole intergenerational jumble yeah. and then figure out like what those cells are doing, what the, what they're up to. And that's part of why this research is going so slowly. You're getting these like two of you know, a thousand piece puzzle, right? And you're like, I think it's a horse, but then you haven't seen, you know, the rest of the body or something like that. And I find it, I mean, I find it fat, like, I guess there's something about it that, like, there, there might be things that we'd never fully understand here, right? Like, we are potentially never going to be able to completely untangle the way that, like, my cells and my sister's cells and the cells from your miscarriages have affected your body. Like, it, it's possible it's always going to remain kind of like a like a parent-child relationship, right? Like, <laughs> on, on a tiny scale. They'll be sort of pushing and pulling and hurting and healing and, you know, it's a re- relationship we can explore forever and never fully untangle. To be sure. But to me, the whole benefit of this kind of research is that what you know now, let's say you really, the, not you, one was really able to go into this, into, into a lot more depth. There are always surprises. That's the reason everybody does research. They're always like, oh, we were looking for X, and we found a whole different section of the alphabet. It strikes me as a good enough reason to pursue it. Um, <laughs> I'm beginning to realize where I came from. <laughs> it's, it's beginning to make sense that I have maybe some of your cells in my Funny. body. Yeah. And our brain. Uh, question. <laughs> Would you say I'm overall more of like a a scar healing helper or an autoimmune disease trigger of a child? Oh, sweetheart. Oh, you are a scar healing helper. <laughs> it's on the record. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm so happy you're here. <laughs> I'm happy you're here, Mama. Um, we love you. I love you, too. And um, I assume that's it. We're done. <laughs> yeah, I think that's it. I think I think we're done. Okay. Thank you for doing this. You're very welcome. Um, in a in a separate space, I will bring you up to date on certain postal events um, coming your way soon, and <laughs> you can bring me up to date on other events in your life. That's it for this episode. But next week, we will continue our Expecting series with a story about how children don't just leave a mark on a parent's body, but also potentially change their parents' minds. Until then, this episode was reported and produced by me, Bird Pinkerton. It was edited by Brian Resnick and Catherine Wells, as well as Meredith Hodnott, who runs the show. We had sound design and mixing from Christian Ayala, music from Noam Hassenfeld, Serena Solon checked our facts, and Manding Nguyen 
is just really lovely to have nearby. I want to say a special thank you this episode to Lee Nelson, who sent so many articles that just really helped orient me and deepen my knowledge here. So if you want to read more about microchimera and autoimmune disorders, look up her body of research. I would also recommend the article that Amy Body co-authored in Bioessays in 2015. We will also be rolling out a whole bunch of articles about pregnancy unknowns on the site in the next few weeks. So check out vox.com slash unexplainable to read those. And then just email us your thoughts, your questions. We're at unexplainable at vox.com, and we love to hear from you. Unexplainable is part of the Vox Media Podcast Network. And we'll be back next week with another episode of Expecting. So expect that. Why do you run? Why does anyone? I always thought that runners loved running. And that's not the case. Most runners hate running. (laughs) But they choose to do it. In the new docuseries Running Sucks, brought to you by Team Milk, Abby Ayers learns why women runners everywhere are driven to go the distance. It really is about taking my power back and proving myself wrong. Team Milk is about fueling women's performance and helping them along their marathon journeys. You can sign up now for the inaugural Every Woman's Marathon taking place in Savannah, Georgia on November 16th, 2024. Learn more and register at everywomansmarathon.com. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Prop G Pod wherever you get your podcasts. 